back again. <laughs> That's scary. I was fine, and then I'm. It was when I, I'm fine, and then when I come to stand up, I'm like, <laughs> let me read you the passage we're going to be reading. It is Luke chapter 19, at the very beginning of Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Verse 1 to 10. 1053 in the church. Oh, interestingly, in mine also. Yeah. Yeah, mine is not a church Bible. Okay, Zacchaeus the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a tax, chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has came to seek and save what was lost. That is, that is the passage. It's short, concise. Um, and actually, when I was preparing this, I was saying to Cynthia earlier, that I felt very different preparing this one, because it feels more grown up than the last two I did, because this is part of a series, so you shall have to to bear with me. And I am not someone who's super scholarly, I haven't studied, um, I have studied the Bible obviously, but I haven't done college work or coursework or anything like that, but we all read the Bible differently and what I was quite encouraged about with this passage was that when before I studied it my 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 thought of what this passage was about stayed the same even after I did some more studying got some help from Simon (laughs) cheated basically Um, but it was my understanding is deeper but the the message that I got when I just read it was pretty much the same. And actually, we're all at different places where we read the Bible in different ways. So there is no, um, there's no wrong way, really, to read the Bible. Upside down, perhaps not the best way, but there's no wrong way <laughs> to read the Bible. You know, if you just want to read an entire chapter without delving into its deep meaning, then that is actually okay. And if you want to pick out a tiny verse and really focus on that, then that's okay. You do what you are led to do and don't let anyone else tell you that that's the wrong thing because God will speak to you no matter how. So, but one thing I did understand more when I was delving into it was where this is in the journey of Jesus. So we've had um, uh, multiple things happening and um, we all in our life when we, we go somewhere, we might give somebody an instruction of what to do. So say I look after someone's dog, I will go to them and they'll say, um, here's the food, 
Sometimes they don't leave it where they say they're going to. Not mentioning any names, but it rhymes with schmo schmoo. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> and so um, you, here's the food, there's the lead, here's um, the key for the door, medicine. Don't forget, he must have the medicine with his food. And if you take him for a walk, don't take him off the lead because he'll run away. That's not Joe's good job. She doesn't run away, she's a good dog. But you get a list of instructions. Or see if anyone can recognise this list of instructions. Never expose him to sunlight. Never get him wet. Never ever feed him after midnight. Any ideas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the list of instructions from um, the gremlins when the man gets given this little gizmo, Mogwai, and he gives him this list of instructions. And as I, I, in the list of instructions I would get from someone else, the last thing that we are told is the thing that they really, really want to hammer home. Medicine for a dog. Never, ever feed him after midnight. Or, you know, don't let my child eat avocado. They're super, super allergic. Or whatever it is. The last thing, may have been said before, but the last message that they give is really valuable. It's the thing they want to head home. And that is, in the journey of Jesus, where we are now, he is been walking and talking with his disciples for years and he's been heading and we have been heading for quite a long time towards Jerusalem and this is his last message before he gets to Jerusalem in the next in the next little bit this Sacchaeus the tax collector and then the next parable of the ten miners which actually is hand in hand they go together um, is what he really wants his followers then to understand is valuable to him, but also us today. What is valuable to Jesus? So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to spend some time figuring out this message and figuring out what it is that's important to Jesus. To paraphrase another Marvel, another movie, a Marvel movie, but um, other superhero movies are available. But uh, who is Zacchaeus? What is Zacchaeus? And why is Zacchaeus very powerful? So, who is Zacchaeus? Now, in chapter 2, it says, we see it straight away, he is a tax collector and was wealthy. He's successful, he's powerful, he's rich. But as we know, it says many times in the Bible, um, nobody likes tax collectors. And um, even Jesus used them examples of what Jews considered to be the lowest of the low when he talks about loving your enemies. He says, because... um, uh, even if you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? The lowest of the low. And he talks about people who, brothers who sin against you. And he says, you know, if they refuse to listen to the church, and if the church refuses to listen, then he refuses to listen. If the church speaks to him and he refuses to listen, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. They are well established as the lowest of the low. But why? And this is potentially... Something, you know, especially with thinking about the Ukraine that that potentially hits home. If Russia is successful and overtakes the Ukraine and basically becomes occupied in that uh, country, they are going to, they are not a Christian country and they are going to let our brothers and sisters uh, have a really rough ride of it. They're going to kill them, torch them. They're going to to (coughs) force them into the ways that they want to live. And that is what was happening back in the day with the Jewish and the Roman community. They were being forced into a way that they didn't want to live. And 
Imagine one of your, in your, in the church in Ukraine, in your meeting, one of your brothers and sisters, or one of us here, goes to the enemy who's over, who, overpowered us, who's oppressing us, who's treating us badly, and starts working for them against us. And that, we are family. That would be a super, just an immense level of betrayal that we couldn't really get our head around. And that's how they feel about um, the tax collectors. Because what's happened is they're living in this occupied land. The tax collectors have gone to the enemy and said, I'll collect your money for you. You, you want them to pay you £100 a week? I'll collect it, but I'm going to take a little bit extra. And they're supported in that. And so they go to their brothers and sisters. It would be like me coming to you and saying, right, £100 for the people that have tortured and killed your family, and I'll take an extra 50 please, for myself. <coughs> you know, it's, it's, they are the betrayers of their faith. That's why they consider them to be, you know, a pagan. They consider them to be no longer sons of Abraham, like the Jewish think of themselves as the sons of Abraham. They are, in fact, they've betrayed you, and they are, in fact, getting rich off you. And, you know, when you reread verse 2, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, it hits differently when you realise how he got that wealth because he betrayed his family and friends. So that is Zacchaeus. Now we know who he is. Let's look at what he is. So the very first thing we read after that is that he wanted to see who Jesus was. He's rich and he's successful and he's powerful, but he's searching for something he's searching for something deeper he's searching he knows that there's something missing in his life and he wants to you know in different versions it says see who Jesus was it says he wanted to see Jesus he wanted to see what he was like there was just whatever version you read you quickly understand that he's wanting to find out just more about Jesus so in fact so much so that he actually goes out of his way and climbs a tree so that he can see Jesus he's willing to be um, he's so desperate for something, even though he doesn't really know what it is, that he is willing to look a little bit foolish, because could you imagine our Chancellor of the Exchequer climbing up a tree in Hyde Park to see Simon preaching? <laughs> not, not really. You know, it is, he's willing to look a little foolish because he, he knows there's something that he is missing. And so he goes on and he sees Jesus, and Jesus says to him, I must stay at your house today, uh, which is a really strange turn a phrase. It's like, I must stay at your house today. Um, but what Jesus knows, and what we know in hindsight, but you know, what Jesus knows is that Zacchaeus is a man who is in need of saving. He's in need of being um, rescued and valued. And what we see today is when we are um, uh, uh, feeling that we are that, you know, we are not the greatest. We can do some horrible things to each other, even, in, you know, even as Christians we can. We're still valued by Jesus. We're still worth reaching out to. And that's what, why Jesus says, I must stay at your house today. I'm giving you value. I'm giving billions of people who read this passage the value as well. And so Jesus goes to his house and he walks there and they're talking and he'll sit with him and he'll eat with him, and they're talking and having a chatter. Um, but, verse 7, people begin to mutter he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And now I understand a little bit more about tax collectors. I, hand on my heart, 
would have been someone who was muttering that. I would have been going, I can't believe he's gone them. They're just so awful. Does he not know what they have done? With hindsight, I've always slightly judged the mutterers when I look at it and go, but Jesus came to save the sick, not the healthy. <laughs> but that was all like sick people who just didn't know Jesus, not people who had betrayed me deeply, you know. So I can, I can um, understand and empathise why they're a little bit unhappy with the fact that Jesus is reaching out to these people who have hurt them really deeply. And um, so they're saying this, and Jesus is sort of sitting there, and he doesn't say anything because he knows he knows what's in Zacchaeus' heart, and he knows what's about to happen. Zacchaeus stands up and basically becomes the perfect embodiment of James chapter 2, where James talks about faith and deeds, what we believe and what we do, go hand in hand together. They're really important. They work in harmony. James stands up, Zacchaeus stands up, and he could just say, look, Lord, here now, I'm sorry for what I've done. And I will not do it again. I'm sorry, everybody, that I've hurt you. I'm sorry that this has happened. I won't do it again. And that in itself actually would have been quite a powerful thing. People would have been, you know, waited to see that he actually stuck to his word. But it would have been quite powerful. But actually, he goes above and beyond that. He goes, I have been a really bad person. And not only am I sorry, but I'm going to repay back four times what I've taken from you. And I'm going to give half of what I have to people who need it more than I do anyway. His actions have spoken what's the change in his heart. And that's why James talked about faith and deeds going well, because at that point, in that moment, all those people who are muttering about Jesus having done the wrong thing by going to spend, none of those people would then be saying, well, he's still done the wrong thing. They'd probably be sitting there going, oh, so Jesus has done something amazing in this miracle. And while at that point, Jesus is, um, they're all in silence probably stunned at what has been um, the turnabout, the complete vault face in this man who's um, been oppressing them alongside their enemy, Jesus stands up and says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And understanding that they had seen him as not, as a betrayer, he is now completely welcomed back into the fold. He is now one of their brothers again. And for the son of man who came to seek and save what was lost. And one of the things that Simon, in his knowledgey stuff, told me um, was that that word lost is the same as in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That perish is the same word as lost. So the son of man came to seek and save what was perishing. And Zacchaeus was perishing. He was dead in his sins. We're told in the Bible that if we sin, basically if we put ourselves before God in any way at all, then the, the punishment for that, what we're due, is death. Which seems pretty harsh, but basically that it, we have to be 100% perfect 100% of the time to be worthy of living with God. And that is what Jesus has said, saying. As his last message, he's saying, I have come so that you don't have to perish, so that you are um, going to have life. And in fact, if you are wise and learned, like myself, obviously, <laughs> you would look at the entirety of Luke and go, what, if I had to boil this down into a nutshell, what, do, what is Luke trying to get across in the, his book? If I had to really get one message from that, what's the big message? And if you were wise and learned, you would do what I did in Google. 
it. <laughs> and then discover, actually, I did know the answer, but I didn't really quite trust myself enough. But you could bring it down to that the hope of Israel, the hope of the self, you know, these people are oppressed and they're being pushed down. The hope of Israel, God's salvation for Israel, but also for everybody, the entire world, us, you, me, them, people throughout time, has arrived in Jesus. So that's the whole of the message. And, and really, he could have had a 10-verse book, and it would have been fine, because that's exactly what happens in Zacchaeus. The whole of the hope of Israel, the hope of us and mankind, has come in Jesus. Jesus has come to save what is perishing. So Zacchaeus, what was Zacchaeus in a nutshell? He was the good news. He was the good news of, 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 of who um, Jesus is and what he's done for us, which is give us life, life forever. So why? Why is Zacchaeus? Why is Zacchaeus here at this point? Well, I've already said it because it's the last point. He's about to go into Jerusalem and the whole different story is starting. The story of the fact that actually he's going to die instead of going in like a warrior king, which is what they're all expecting, and that's going to be a big shock for them. But his last message that he knows that they're going to look back on and think, well, that was the thing he really wanted us to remember. His last message was, I've come to give you life, and I want you to go out and give other people life, because the next bit, which I'm going to tread on whoever's teaching's toes a little bit next time, but it's not until April, so I think probably by then. I'm sure you'll remember every word, but <laughs> you'll probably, I think, I, I think they'll be okay. So the, he, while he's there and he said, I've come to save everybody, I've come to give everyone life, he then talks about the parable of the ten miners, which is basically a man who gives out my money uh, to his servants and goes away, which is what Jesus is going to do. He's, going to, he's given out this beautiful gift and then he's going to go away. And the different servants do different things with it. Some servants invest it and get money back, different levels, and someone's gold. And someone, um, and some just hide it to themselves because they're worried about what will happen if they try and give it out. So what Jesus then says is that God is blessed by the people that share out the miners. So God is basically, Jesus is saying in this, I have done this, this is my whole purpose of being here. I want you to tell as many people as you can that that is why I'm here. So Zacchaeus is there because he's to teach us, by example, what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking us to talk to people um, about him, to, to, to have that, uh, give the blessing that we have. I, when I think about who Jesus is to me, I live my life, la di da di da and I go along day by day. But then when I really think about the fact that I was dead and I wasn't going to be living an eternal life in heaven with Jesus... And because of nothing I have done, but because of solely what Jesus has done, I now have life forever. It's awe-inspiring and incredible, and I can't really get my head around it. But I, so I just live my life as normal, I don't think about it, and then I think about it, and then, but God is so gracious, and so is, God is so loving towards us. And so what what should our response to this last message of Jesus be? You know, a few questions I was thinking as I was, and that I would be asking myself is, you know, like Zacchaeus climbed the tree, would I, do I still go out of my way to seek Jesus? Do I still seek him passionately? Does my life reflect James's faith and deeds going hand in hand? You know, uh, Zacchaeus did what rich ruler from a couple of... Um, 
verses ago couldn't do. And he put the love of God above the love of the world and the love of money, basically. Do I pray passionately? We've been praying this morning, but do I pray passionately for people who are lost, who don't have the same hope that I do? And do I prioritise what Jesus prioritises? And I, a lot of these answers, I'm quite ashamed of myself, and I shall be doing some more <laughs> self-searching. And am I willing to be embarrassed, like Zacchaeus by climbing a tree, by going out of my way to talk to someone who doesn't know about Jesus? I, I do care what people think about me most, not all the time, but I do, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm completely cuckoo, even though I mostly am a little bit, probably. You probably all do think I'm a little bit cuckoo. But, you know, in love you think that. But I don't want someone to think it really, <laughs> you know. Um, am I, but I'm, you know, am I, am I willing to be embarrassed? Am I willing to put myself out there like Zacchaeus did? Um, and so, you know, are we prepared to step out in faith? And I will say that, like Zacchaeus, he did, he did a thing, a small thing. He climbed a tree and he got eternal salvation. God does big things when we do small things. There was a little boy a few years before that who gave his teeny tiny lunchbox to the disciples and said, this, oh, you can have this, and then that fed 12,000 people because he stepped out a little bit and God did the big work. And Moses, when they were trapped and they had to escape and they had nowhere to escape, they had to cross the sea, had to step out and he had to wave his staff over the sea, which, you know, he probably thought, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. But he did a small thing. He stepped out and Jesus and God parted the sea. So we can be encouraged if we do step out and we do do a little thing, that actually God does the big thing. God does, does more than we could possibly ask for. I know that I like to stay safe, so that's my challenge. But let's spend a little bit of time um, just in silence to yourself asking Jesus what he wants you to take from this message, asking him what he wants you to pray for, and then I'll give you a few minutes, and then I'll round up in prayer, and then we'll sing our last song, This Is Our God, which I think Zacchaeus would have sung with gusto, because it has, by the power of your word, I am restored, I am redeemed, by your spirit, I am free. And that is anyone, that's what Jesus' message, I want to restore you, I want to redeem you. So let's spend some time having in God's presence, in your own self, and we'll have some quiet time, and then we will um, sing the last song. I'll just leave Father.